back to a better world. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today is going to be a review of looking at this idea of sacred stewardship, which I basically cooked up, downloaded, imagined, created several years ago in looking at what our most foundational role is in respect to, in honor of, our beautiful earth and our beautiful lives as a result of a beautiful earth. And when I began reflecting on what our, let's say, highest role relative to being alive in our species with consciousness on the planet was, it was as a steward. And there are those who talk about being an activist in this world that so much is off balance and requiring our our active engagement in setting things to balance, setting things right. Granted, I wholly, wholly stand behind that. Yet, the role of stewardship, for me, that word comports an idea of respect, of love, of understanding, Um, there's almost a yin kind of maternal aspect to it as well as paternal and yang, if you will. It, It strikes me as some kind of beautiful blend between these two energy fields that we all carry with us and carry into our daily lives. And that's true biologically i.e. genetically, you know, we all actually start as female. Did you know that? Yes, we start embryologically as female until or and unless there is a descending of the testicles from the very same place, you know, our genitalia in the DNA, you know, moment of one expression or another. Interesting. So we all know we contain both, whereas Walt Whitman would say we contain multitudes, as we're actually seeing even in the in the world of genders these days. But short of that, uh, the idea of stewardship brings forward an idea of caretaking at the same time as great reverence and respect for the space of the three dimensions of the earth, as well as her intelligence represented in words such as Gaia and Pachamama. So for me, in my looking, who we are and what we are as a species, species level, it's because of our unique type of consciousness among sentient life on the planet, I felt that defining our relationship to the earth and all sentient life that she generates was one of stewardship. Not lordship, by the way, not governance, 
good stewardship, that we play a role in alignment with our intelligence, mental, emotional, physical, kinesthetic, and we blend, or as the Taoists would say, we flow into the energy field, the light force of the entire whole, the whole on of earth and all her spheres, the biosphere, the atmosphere, the noosphere, you know? Now, where does the word sacred come in? Well, sort of obviously when we hold something so dear to our hearts we regard something or someone as precious beyond language beyond words there is this nonverbal wordless essential feeling, sensation, experience that is of an elevated notion. Pardon me for words not conveying all that I mean, but we all know what that's like. It's the unspeakable, it's the ineffable level of our reality. And because we're so talk-oriented and mentally-oriented, we don't often kind of just relax into and drop into that sensation of reality that is beyond description. Yet, we've all experienced it in one way or another, that sort of depth of feeling, of of beingness that truly transcends language despite the fact that we use language to describe it, to point the way, if you will. Nonetheless, the finger pointing to the moon is not the moon. So that level, quality, dimensionality of preciousness is probably the other word that can begin to approach what sacred means. And sacred exists, the sacred world, universe, exists, please, indulge me, outside of religion. I'm not sure I would say it exists outside of what we refer to, maybe rather broadly, generically, and too inaccurately as spirituality, but I think you can get the idea by implication. The sacred is a description of the most of all precious relationships with fill-in-the-blank, whatever it may be. So this notion that I have floated out for all to consider and reflect on is this idea of sacred stewardship to elevate our role as humans being stewards of our precious planet and all the life that inhabits it and grows out of it. 
and the earth to take it the next level in its relationship to other planetary bodies, other galactic bodies for that matter. That's really stepping up and stepping out, isn't it? <laughs> you betcha. Um, nonetheless, I'm going to keep it a little grounded today, generally speaking, because we've got so much going on on our precious planet that I feel needs to be addressed. And I love your your rapt attention to the subject as well, because that's how we can move forward through our speaking and active listening. And I, I so appreciate people. I have come to see the some of the demographics of our audience, and it's uh, not only international, but it's also really interesting that people uh, in their 30s and 40s primarily find these topics and subjects interesting and worth their time. I'm I'm elated by that, by the way, so a quick shout-out to you all and thank you. And people also north of 55 are another group that find these subjects and handling of these subjects, addressing of them, also engaging. So, Again, thank you to you, too. That's, I guess, what I would say chronologically is more my generation, although, uh, you know, uh, there is a distinction to be made between our chronological age and our biological age and our emotional and mental ages. You know, I know many people who are all grown up physically but are still acting like they're six years old, if not six, sometimes eight, if not eight, sometimes ten, and you think to yourself, Ay, caramba, is this possible? Can a person be on the planet for this duration and still not wizen and age wisely like a good bottle of wine, for instance? You know, but it happens, and the examples of that are unfortunately uh, all over the place. So needless to say, in our lives, we look to engage people who we feel are maturing, that their their emotional age is going, moving, you could say, commensurately with their physical age and mental age, of course, as well. But as we grow older, wouldn't it be nice to really embrace a deeper sense of compassion for others and for our Earth herself? That's where I come from. Another interesting way of thinking about age, actually, is that it's just a number. And many people who are actually in their 80s, 90s, and 100s are acting physically like what's the big deal about a marathon or running a couple of miles a day or working out in the gym the way they did 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. I mean, that's cool. And in fact, all over the world, there are brilliant examples of this kind of thing of people working and lifting and carrying 
water and wood and logs and food and uh, the materials and supplies for building a shelter and providing for others and it's just it's just the way it is and um, it's really in the western culture and I would say in general even the United States where this idea of retirement bad idea um, has come along and this idea of aging has actually unfortunately become a big monetized demographic it's a huge population that I feel honestly is very heavily exploited by the medical industry and by their affiliates, nursing homes, facilities, uh, assisted living, all of this stuff. I'm not saying there's no role for any of it, although traditionally, historically, in the West as in the East, in the North and South, people were part of a family that cared for their elderly and were held of course as the wise ones of the family the sages and it was a a blessing to have the elderly be present but because of so much rampant pollution of our air and our water and our soil and contamination of same uh, of really, really bad commercialized, packaged, prepackaged, uh, microwaved, irradiated, GMO'd food, hormonized, etc. Our brains aren't working as well as they used to as we grow older, and uh, all sorts of problems such as um, amnesia. Alzheimer's and the like have just begun to plague our older, chronologically older generations, and not just them, but overall. So there is a loss of quality of life that is profound as a result. I know I'm dealing with some of this with my own uh, near 90-year-old father. You know, he's not there yet, but he's, uh, you know, getting there. And I see the way the systems work to really enfeeble. And, in fact, the larger systems, the agribiz, etc., provide such little quality food, i.e. then nutrition, that we've got some serious problems here in River City serious problems. So, in any event, you understand why I'm staying horizontal and not going so vertical today, except internally when we seek to regard and hold our precious earth dear and high and close to our hearts and our wish to assist and facilitate healing in our own personal lives, and by so doing in our planetary life, and our planetary condition. After all these days, we are facing some rather extraordinary challenges. The 
obvious changes in weather patterns, the obvious change in oxygen levels of our air, all measurable, by the way, the obvious change in the warming of our planet, and by the way, and the argument can be made cooling, I like to call it uh, extreme weather or even more accurately extreme climate, is a signal to us that we, the stewards, have been doing something very, very wrong. And I'm going to just say that our hearts and souls are the greatest navigators toward truth and toward balance. Yet when we ignore these signposts, sometimes feeling like they're stamped on our head, our forehead, uh, when we ignore that, what then? then? When we ignore those signs and signals, we end up with a world like we have today where God has been redefined as the amount of money you have in your bank account. Well, what a rude and crude measurements or naming of God. Of course, I'm saying this a little facetiously, but the meaning remains intact. I.e., we as a species, have agreed to jeopardize the health and the well-being of our planet and each other for the sake of these things called greenbacks, or whatever the currency that may be in your respective country. Uh-uh. Why would money be deemed more important than life itself, than the health of a region, the health of a rainforest, the health of our brothers and sisters. It, it just doesn't make sense. The, the entire sphere has been tipped over. The balance of the scales is way, way off. And we use those scales, those mythic scales, as a way of showing our balance with the elements, and that includes, of course, with each other. So, you with me? Of course you are. Of course, we all really need to think this way. And when we see people in positions of power that are not thinking this way, we get scared. And we get scared for good reason because they have certain forces in hand that allow them to continue to tip the scales in this, I'm going to simply say, bizarre monetized direction at the expense of everyone and everything else. And that simply ain't right. And we all know it. That's my point. We all know it in our hearts and we know it in our souls. Now, we can and often do override those signaling systems. We say, well, and then we begin to mentalize and then we rationalize and then we excuse ourselves and we tell stories and generate a new 
narrative, which just gets us all into deeper muck and mire. And as uh, the wonderful old Buddhist teacher Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche used to say in one of his chants, the muck and the mire. Yeah, so look at what's happening, for instance, in Standing Rock. Here is a multi-layered issue where the heart and soul were overridden for the sake of personal monetary aggrandizement. So I'll just deconstruct it a little bit, and maybe some of you even know more than I, but let me begin. Let me go back to the days of the pilgrims. No, I'm not going to tell a big, long-winded, long-winded story, or winded for that matter. I'm going to simply say that when Europeans came to Turtle Island, there were native people, people that are native to this land that were here, just as Europeans were native to their land. And, well, just banned that across the planet. We all have indigenous relationships to a part of the earth, that landmass. And sure, there have always been nomads. That's true. And that's part of our species-wide heritage as well. But I'm not talking about that. I'm basically talking uh, from the days of agrarian society forming. And that gave us an anchor to the land in a way that we laid ownership And when I say that, I don't mean in a legal sense at all. I mean in a spiritual sense. This is our home. This is where we're growing our food. This is where we drink of the water, of the rivers, of the aquifers, of the wells, of the lakes. This is where we are part of the entire eco-cycle. We absorb, we receive, we eliminate Our elimination becomes part of the soil, which then becomes part of the next season's food cycle. Yeah, that's right. That's the way it works. And we live and we breathe in this space and we make children and we take care of our elder generations on this land. And we develop a certain relationship and love and respect for that land. This is all good. I mean, unless we're going to stay as nomads or, you know, hunters and gatherers. And, but we didn't, although it's a really interesting prospect and there are parts of that lifestyle that we ought to probably pay close attention to again. And we may be returning to that way of life as well if things keep going the way they are because we'll, there will be vast, Migrations, it's happening already from desert areas to more watered areas. It's happening not only in places like Syria, it's happening in the very United States of America. It's happening in Africa, it's happening in India, Bangladesh, etc. This is serious. Water, as we do know, is life itself. 
and as some of the signs out at Standing Rock say, uh, water is life. Life is not oil. Oil is not life. Oh, my God. But, you know, saying this in this kind of context just further illustrates how silly the mind of men can be that it would think that oil and its transport is more important than the sacredness of water or of land. So, coming forward historically, uh, the Europeans came, and, you know, there are many stories. Some say they came with uh, peace and with love. Others say with hostility and aggression. And I guess I would say that both are true. Uh, It would seem that, uh, as far as I am aware, uh, the native peoples here uh, were no doubt wary, if interested and curious, about who these European white brothers and sisters were and were based on what I know, and it's limited to that, uh, were rather warm-hearted and welcoming to those coming from across the vast ocean and uh, provided, you know, food and knowledge and information and guidance and navigation and uh, shelter and a lot of things that were desperately needed by those people who had been on boats for months and were stepping onto land they've never been to before and knew nothing about. So it's an interesting, curious story and relationship between the Native peoples here and, you know, the um, the people, the visitors who came. Well, Long and short, the visitors decided that the land was theirs and laid claim to it and drove the native peoples further and further west. Some befriended, yes, and others just kept aggressing. So finally, these people whose home this land was were so marginalized, so oppressed, suppressed, killed off, then placed into essentially forms of internment camps, which for them were the residential schools, that is the Christian schools. They were uh, put onto reservations that were were supposed to be sovereign land, their land, uh, and now you know, fast forward a bit, treaties were made with the native peoples that were to be honored. They were made in the full good faith of the United States government, which represents the United States American people. And yet, yet, the story about the treaties is one of the worst stories we humans have to share. Because the treaties, virtually each and every single one of what might have amounted to hundreds, were all broken when it was convenient for the white man, the U.S. government, to do so. 
if, for instance, it was discovered that there were there's gold in them there hills. Well, watch out if you are a Native American because you're going to get attacked. And that's what happened. Gold, silver, platinum, any of the mineral resources or abundance from Mother Earth offered to those on that land, water resources, or oil resources, or gas resources. All of this would all of a sudden be laid claim to by the U.S. government or its allies, corporate interests, when it served them. But that's not the way agreements go. That's not the way treaties are fulfilled. That's called breaking the law. That's called breaking the law of the universe that says that a man is bound to his word. And by that we live. That is the honor of speaking and of a man or woman. Their word is their honor. It's a promise. It's an agreement, and it is sacred. Here we are now, in the current times of the 21st century, when the United States government is agreeing to break treaties that were signed 20, 30, 50, 100, 150 200 plus years ago granting land to people whose land it was already isn't that ironic saying we have come and taken all of your land but we're going to give you back some of it for yourselves however we want to modify your culture through through rape violation and violence of all levels so you will still, even on your land, be living through and in our culture, i.e. our interpretation of life and reality, our language, our music, our art, our values. Hello? Is this not just the most disrespectful type of position? And it's not enough that this happened in the past by our forebears. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the more distance between us and them, the better, because we today, we more sensitive, thoughtful, caring souls are hugely embarrassed by this situation and by what happened back then. Embarrassed. And Yet, today, at Standing Rock, the treaty of the Sioux with the U.S. government has been violated again. This company, Transfer Energy Partners and Sunoco, the parent company, act as though they have rights on Native American reservation agreed by treaty land. 
They have no rights, yet they act with impunity and with arrogance as though they do. And so, how many federal agencies have come to this land and have perpetuated violence against the native people and all of their friends and brothers and sisters who are simply seeking to protect the land and the water from devastation. And their wish to protect that land and water is not just for them, it's for all people and for all animals, for all sentient life. So tell me, how far does one have to be out of sync with one's soul and out of rhythm with one's heart to think and then express these ideas that this is my land, it belongs to corporate America, and all you people are in our way, you are in the way of our profits, and we will hurt you to get you off the land. We will lie to you again to get you off the land. We will arrest you. We will physically attack ourselves and with dogs. And that is exactly, my friends, what has been happening out at the Standing Rock Reservation. And we're all supposed to just stand by and allow this atrocity to occur? I don't think so. And there are many ways that we can interact. For myself, I have written to Obama, who remains the president, and with one phone call can stop this nonsense. But it's curious. He's not doing that. He knows full well what's going on. He granted an interview to an alternative media person just about a month ago, and he was wavering and being very, very politic and very inhumane and very not understanding. It was awesome and daunting to watch a man who we believe has such integrity who we have accorded so much respect, who is, of course, very articulate and very charming and gives the sense that he is a man of honor and of love and compassion. And I believe that some of that is true. So why doesn't it show up in more actions? Why has it shown up the way it has? You feel my frustration. and Believe me, I can feel yours too. We should all be outraged. So this is why I have written letters and why I have spoken to my own community and why it has been a subject of discussion among my A Better World workshop students and why I bring this up in my individual private sessions with my clients 
we need to be collectively aware and engaged on one level or another or several to bring about proper justice. And we have a president who, to date, president-elect, I'm sorry, hasn't spoken of it at all. We know that he actually owns shares in Energy Transfer Partners and in Sunoco. So what does that mean? I don't know if you know these are public or privately held. Well, Sunoco is certainly public. But he said he sold off all his stock. Well, did that include this? And where do people come off in breaking treaties and in digging up sacred land and burial grounds. It's just not heard of. If you are a white man, it ain't going to happen in your cemeteries, your burial grounds. It ain't going to happen, I should say, until it does. Anyway, it is incumbent upon us, my dear friends, to maintain a level of equanimity, a level of balance and centeredness in the face of these horrible social and environmental political injustices. Now, it's not so easy to be so happy at moments when you're contemplating such pain. Oh, man. Isn't this a job? Isn't this a work? You betcha, as Ms. Palin used to say. That's right. It really is. And isn't that really our task as humans? It's in that space of being heartbroken and at the same time wanting to happily engage other people to make a better world and talk to them and have faith in the power of communication, of looking at somebody in the face and in the eyes, being belly to belly and say, hey man, how's it going? You don't really want to kill all these people and hurt these people and hurt the land and hurt the water that's for us all just to make a couple of bucks, do you? No, I thought they were kidding when they told me that about you. Yeah, come on. Nobody would really do that, would they? Nah, go on. Let's figure out a way to make money. Absolutely. In a way that will not harm others, that will not harm the land and the water. It's got to be a way. I'm sure of it. There are lots of ways. If you want money... We can make money. Let's not make money the evil thing. Let's make getting it at any cost the evil thing. Therein lies the problem from my point of view. So I believe in the generating of an economy and the building of an economy that's eco-friendly, that is sustainable that's based on renewable energies, and even then, very eco-sensitive. And it can be done. It is being done. As my dear friend and colleague, Hazel Henderson, reminded me 
and a group of us recently that met with her down in Florida for a retreat last month, over $7.4 trillion already spent, invested in green and renewable energy technologies, companies, and projects. This is fantastic. And nobody, president or otherwise, is going to turn that around. The big boys are in it. The small boys are in it. The local people are in it. This is the future, my friends. Being eco-sensitive at base, human-sensitive, sentient life-sensitive, and building an economy of scale, let's say, to the local communities. And that very much is the direction we're all going in. Yes, we have our global, and that's beautiful. We've got the Internet. We've got other global activities. It's fantastic. We also have our localities. We've also got where we actually live. When we're not bilocating, we're here at home. And this is cool. We have our neighbors, and we have our friends, and we have our family, and everybody is around, and we go to the farmer's market, and we buy the local produce. Hey, just the way it used to be 30, 50, 100 years ago. Sure. Oh, yeah, we have some extra items. We can go to the store, and we can get some fairly exotic things from other parts of the world. Well, yeah. That's a kick, and that's fun. But, you know, as they say, trinkets, just trinkets. Harry Belafonte today on Democracy Now! in its celebrating its 20th year on the air. God bless Amy Goodman and Juan Gonzalez for the fantastic work they've been doing for so long. Of course, <laughs> A Better World has been on the air for several years longer than that. But they have built up because it's the only thing they do, um, a huge, huge following that is admirable because they've also raised many, many millions of dollars. That just hasn't been what has happened here in a better world because I'm throughout the day wearing so many hats, working on a micro level with my clients of doing coaching and counseling and biofeedback and stress reduction all the way to working more on the macro levels of global systemic uh, green renewable ventures and writing. And I cannot do those things and interact on changing systems if I were full-time doing the media. I just I don't know how to use time that well, you know, it's a work to do just what I'm doing. I feel like I've actually, I'm doing the job of three people right now, plus the administration of things. So, help, I need interns. And by the way, you don't have to be a local intern, although I appreciate that. Video interns I need, I could use some administrative help as well, some of which can be done really non-locally 
because of the wonderfulness of uh, technology, you know, and uh, internet and things like TeamViewer and other wonderful ways of uh, connecting people in places um, rather elegantly. So coming full circle, my dear friends, uh, we see that we are sitting on the horns of many dilemmas. So I guess we're sitting on many horns. And they tickle a little bit, but they also gorge. They hurt. And when we see injustice around us, it hurts so deeply because there's a part of our soul that that seeks and yearns for justice, for fairness, for equity among people. It's just built into the program because there's a level of recognizing our collective unity, the unified field, the quantum field of which we are all a part on micro and macro levels. So with these things said, there's a part of you in me and a part of me in you, and we know it. And it's occurring on many, many levels, psychological, emotional, physical. So at the end of the day, it's a holistic paradigm of fractal relationships, as Dr. Bruce Lipton would say in my first interview with him back in 1994, I believe it was. And we generated an interview called uh, Fractal Biology, Fractal Evolution, the biology or the physiology of consciousness. It's brilliant stuff that Bruce has generated. And he, with Dr. Patch Adams, I'm pleased to say, I made contact with him last week. We've had some just wonderful and slightly rip-roaring funny conversations, will be the guests on next week's show. So please tune in. We'll be starting with Patch, and as many of you know, the film with uh, Robin Williams as Patch Adams is just brilliant. It's truly one of my favorite of all times. And also note that Patch will be in New York City on A Better World TV around January 18th. And for those of you who are listening in town or in the environs, uh, know that we're planning to do an event with Patch, and you are all welcome to. It will be sponsored by A Better World and a number of other uh, related friend organizations. And you'll be getting more information on that in short order. But coming back around, look, we're dealing in a highly compromised situation right now because our water quality, our air quality, our soil quality, which means our food quality, are all compromised. They're compromised through physical contamination and they're compromised through mental contamination. Why? Do I mean by that? What I was saying before, that whenever you put this thing we refer to as money, which is more than anything an idea, as more important than the quality of the food and the energy of the food, 
or the water or the air. You put that first. That's going to that's going to taint the overall quality of the food because every single type of compromise will be made on the food in order to increase the profitability. That's number one. And the thought form that goes with those actions are part of the food. They're part of the quantum field. You get that? So it's not just the physical level itself. We're being contaminated by the thought form that money is more important than people or planet. Profit is more important than people or planet. And any rational person knows that is just completely untrue. And a pathological, that means a sick person, will think that it is true or that it's okay or that it's permissible. And it's not. Yet we've allowed it. And there we have, thereby we have this sick, pathological type of society with so many ills, with so many injustices. We are riddled with them. And so taking a step back, taking a deep breath, taking a look at the beauty of life and the pathology of life, getting our own stand with it all will allow us to come to that place of proper sacred stewardship, of personal healing, using our mind and our bodies, using physical, mental, and spiritual nutrition, using emotional intelligence. These are the component parts that are going to be able to drive us forward in this very, very compromised situation. We have millions of people and millions of organizations that are doing extraordinary sacred work to restore balance, to restore Homo sapiens to his and its rightful place in the natural organic order of things. You know, Paul Hawken states in a film, a video that was made of a talk he gave at Bioneers, which has been caught by, used by the Pachamama Alliance Awakening the Dreamer um, seminar, which I'm one of the many facilitators of here in New York. States, Blessed Unrest, his latest book. If we were to empower the organizations that are doing good work all over the planet to restore the natural order of things, of supporting natural processes, of freeing us from the chemical hormonal contamination from the microwave contamination to bring law and order in the true sense and justice to every level of society from the village level in East or West Africa to the 
life of people in New York City, we're going to have a different world, my friends, because we're out there and we far outnumber the people who are kind of calling the shots. And when we become empowered enough, that is very simply, by the way, recognizing our own power, this thing is going to turn on a dime. Even if it's a quarter, it's going to turn. And many of us feel that it is turning already. I know it looks bleak. (laughs) It does look bleak. But as they say, darkest at night, right before the dawn. That perspective, that attitude template needs to be manufactured all over the world because that template allows us to re-envision our lives, to reconnect with hope and with our vision of a world that works, of a better world. And that is what we can achieve. I know sometimes it does look hopeless. My heart is broken. I'll be honest about it. My heart is broken daily when I listen to the news on even alternative media. It's broken. The murders, the deaths, the rapes, the the injustice in the systems, in the court systems, everywhere you look, but not everywhere. The fact is, there are organizations like Good News Planet, my dear friend Paul Slotkus. He's been working at bringing forth good news for decades. How about the work of Amy Goodman in Democracy Now!, seeking to shed light on the injustices over and over again, on the disparities, on the incongruities, on what's unethical on, in many domains. The work of Progressive Radio Network and Gary Null, who has been a mentor of mine for decades at this point, who I, whose airwaves I've been on off and on since 2006. And uh, his work is just exceptional in bringing different levels of knowledge and information to the fore. Just don't get that on this bought and paid for narrow bandwidth Mainstream media. I mean, if we could be up at the moon looking down and listening in, we would be appalled at how narrow the programming and the propaganda is seeking to create worker bees here on planet Earth among us all. And how how restrictive the systems in place are. So it's up to us. It is up to us. We are the ones that we have been waiting for 
you know, that wonderful adage, but it's true. It is true. And it is true. And it is up to us, my friends, my dear friends, to really step up to the plate, grab the bat, and hit a few singles and doubles and triples, and then maybe a few home runs. Because this is really the way it works. So that means that we have to be diligent about all levels of our personal lives, the way we relate to others, the way we relate to ourselves. Hence, the beautiful Taoist practices of Qigong, of Taiji Chuan, of the inner smile, of working with one's own elements inside oneself and cooking up a broth, an alchemy of energy that allows us to be robust in the world, to be compassionate, and non-reactive, to be affirming, infused with our sense of value and our ethical stance. Wow! This is serving spirit. This is serving the galaxy at the same time as it's serving the earth and each other. Because all worlds and all dimensions are simultaneous. And that's something that just seems seems to elude people. But, you know, as they say, think globally and act locally. Or you can say, think universally and act locally. Because it's one and the same right there. Let's not just end it at the earth. You know, the earth is gorgeous. But we can even expand the model from there, outward. And we're coming to a time when that's going to be actually more and more important. And that's going to so-called, pardon the expression, trump our one horizontal axis. It's going to trump it (laughs) while we're being trumped. Um, And we've got to kind of be on the lookout on all levels of reality, if you will, in all planes and all dimensions. So we stay attentive and alert to what is showing up. Up And what's showing up is more and more refined and more and more elating and elevating and heart chakra energy moving toward us to circulate through us. And that's our game. So being local, being kind to others, feeling compassion, yet being clear about boundaries and setting boundaries as needed and recognizing all of this as a function of love and compassion. Interesting, huh? Of maintaining our own health and our own well-being, having a healthy lifestyle, a healthy diet, drinking plenty of delicious water, of moving the body. The body was designed for movement, for dance, for exercise, for running and expressing. Wow. And then exhaust yourself so you can sleep deeply and enjoy the extreme yin, deep yin. And that allows hormones like melatonin to open and flow in deep darkness all night in a theta and delta state, our vegetative state,
state where our organs are getting simply bathed in chi, in life force, and our psyche is being gauged by any number of levels of reality, informing, giving, sharing, enlightening, awakening. Wow, that's called sleep. That's deep rest. Cool. And then we wake up again feeling energized and nourished for a new day. We've emptied, we've eliminated. And then we greet each other and we greet the day and we greet the sun. And we open our hearts to what's next. It's spectacular. And then, well, we get get a little crimped and cramped when we start to hear the different things that human beings are doing to each other if we're listening to the ordinary media. But you can always listen to a better voiled. And here you can hear some better news. And in many other places you can hear some good news. And even hearing what we call bad news, it's it's real news and we can become energized by knowing the amount of work that we need to do as humans in our role as sacred stewards taking care of the land taking care of each other creating sustainability through compassion, respect and love and then remaining open open hearted reflective, contemplative, see what else wants to show up, what else needs to be done after we've done our job. And then we graduate to another higher level of job. It does go on. It does go on. Anyway, listen, I know you've been all very attentive to today's show and for which I am deeply grateful. I want to remind you that uh, we have a number of services here at A Better World that I'm going to just kind of click through, tick through uh, quickly for you to uh, be aware of. We have the Harmonic Energetic Balancing Program, the HEB it is commonly referred to as. and That is through a representation of yourself, normally called a photograph, a hologram. We take that and put it into our designated computer that has uh, the digital information in it representing homeopathic remedies, flower essences, any number of homeopathics, and a series of other kinds of healing, energy balancing stuff. And when we interface your photograph, that holograph, with these frequencies, healing occurs, balancing occurs. It doesn't matter where you are on the planet with you because it's part of your energy field. We've had this going on in a better world since the year 2000. So that's a fee of some $600 for a year. And we welcome you and your partner. Sometimes we put couples on. We have special rates and uh, pets and houses and all sorts of things. It's sort of like you can call it an energetic 
feng shui. Really interesting stuff. Then, of course, we have the individual sentences, uh, sessions that I do. Um, I do, you know, creative consulting and coaching with clients, with couples, with families. And this gives people a chance to cultivate healthy relationships, to learn how to have them, how to use language in a way that is kind and respectful instead of derogatory and hurtful. Whoa, if we could learn that lesson, we have come a far way. And this is my profession and this is my specialty. Communication, how to communicate verbally and non-verbally in ways that are respectful, that are loving, that are courteous, that are also authentic and are effective. Yes, effective. Resolving, solving, healing, playful, and if all goes well, quite funny. Then we have the work I do with people using biofeedback. It's sort of like the HEB program I just mentioned, uh, having to do with the use of frequencies. But in this case, I do it manually. The other one is automatic, uh, which is why the fee is low for an entire year. This is manual where I set the terms, so to speak, and do testing uh, on a laptop. And that's done both in person as well as remotely. I do sessions in both cases all the time. As well as my consulting to uh, corporations, typically green, renewably interested, or water organizations, corporations, B Corp, nonprofits. It doesn't matter what the structure is. The idea is to help them build their brand, build their business, network across the planet. I have network uh, to do so, and I do so. And I consult, creatively consult, advise CEOs, COOs, CFOs, and others to help build and frame the work of an organization that is doing good work. These are some of the offerings we have. We also have different products. We have health products that you can take and get healthy and hydrated and all of that. And we have others which you can engage in the business itself and get healthy and get the anti-aging benefits from. So all of this is on the website, www.abetterworld.tv. And we also have the opportunity for people to simply make donations. And we live on those donations as well as on the promotions that we do for companies, for individuals, for people who have written books or made films. We do promotions. So there's that opportunity as well, and there's a fee sheet for that. But there's also simply just making a contribution, which is an investment in a better world, an investment in our creating a better world. I don't mean just the one that I've named, so to speak, but a better world for all beings. And we here seek to contribute as best we can to that creation. 
that larger macro creation. So if you do not yet get our newsletter, please go again to abetterworld.tv. It's free. We announce the shows we have on TV, which is aired which are aired every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Yes, you can listen and watch on your cell phone. No problem. Just go to the top of the website, abetterworld.tv, and click where it says, click to watch, and then click through, and you will be there. Or if you live in Manhattan, you can watch on TV directly, Mondays at 7 p.m. And, of course, Wednesday at 6 p.m., we have a Better World Radio, which I know, I know you listen to in your own time, millennials and all others. God bless you. So that's fine. Um, we are available live at this time slot, but in archive and all other slots 24-7 by visiting our website. So thanks again. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for a Better World. And in signing off, I want to just invite you to please write to me. I so appreciate your feedback at MJR, my initials, MJR at abetterworld.net or call 212-420-0800, 212-420-0800. And if you have talent with social media, with website building, with video editing, camera, or the other related social administrative activities, and you would like to participate for some after we have seen a commitment, we do have some stipend money. So please, please become part of our organization and doing your part to create a better world. Thanks again. With love, I look forward to seeing you all 